Hello, people. Normal, everyday people who apparently don't run any television networks, otherwise I'm sure I would have a series order by now. Welcome to the sixth episode of I Wrote You a Pilot. I'm your host, AJ Schrader, and I'm mixing things up a little today. My shows with actors have yet to take off, so instead today my guest is a woman who doesn't really consider herself a performer. Her name is Candice Cortinas, and she is a producer for one of my personal favorite sketch comedy groups, Robot Johnson, out of Charlotte, North Carolina. Now, producers get stuff done, so I'm confident that this one, this one's gonna go somewhere. Uh, but, on, but on the off chance it doesn't, I've also started working on a backup plan outside of this podcast, where I'm trying to help my friend's new business, the Next Door Beer Bar and Bottle Shop in Greensboro, North Carolina. But don't worry, I won't let that project affect my writing in any way. No selling out by this guy, no sir. Alright, now today, I talk remotely via the internet to Candace about some shows with a real heart, our shared inability to play characters capable of earnest human joy, and then we read the pilot I wrote for her, entitled, Diced. It's a pilot, wrote you a pilot, a pilot I wrote for you. Man, everybody listens to podcasts because uh-huh. there aren't a lot of them out there. No. And that's something. That <laughs> the market's not saturated at all. <laughs> that's, you know, you're, you're really getting in on the ground floor uh-huh. of this whole, yep. <laughs> this whole new phenomenon. You know, they're out. The kids are out searching for something oh, new. Those kids. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Those plucky um, kids. <laughs> they'll uh they'll find you know one of them probably <laughs> one of the ones before or after me and say oh that's super interesting let's see what of you know what else this guy has let's go down that rabbit hole oh. yeah oh man this dude loves doritos right. you know. <laughs> does that come across <laughs> so yeah. let's talk a little bit about your television interest uh, so you listed uh, a lot of great shows, uh, Shit's Creek, Parts and Rec, uh, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Uh, I, I hate to admit how little of Shit's Creek I have actually seen, but I've loved every episode that I've kind of walked in on somebody else watching. <laughs> well, and so here's a tiny little uh, bone I have to pick. So... I sent in my little questionnaire uh-huh. that said list three rom-coms and then I'm listening to Steve's and apparently he listed like 10 yeah. shows um which is fine I just went with the most current so I just want people out there to know that you have different rules for different guests oh I change the form uh, all the time uh <laughs> but yes John Chenoweth uh, also has trouble with the number of shows people list <laughs> he's like my form said three I listed three uh, I do think you would really enjoy Shit's Creek, the writing, mm-hmm. for one. So yeah, and, I watched the pilot and uh, really enjoyed. You know, and they're comedy legends in the show, so that's. I yeah. mean, like that and Parks and Rec. In terms of both shows, have that in common. They've got yeah. a sketch comedy background in terms of the actors. And Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, so does Rachel Bloom. I had never seen Crazy Ex-Girlfriend at all until I watched the pilot because you had listed it. And it's really good. I I think I was always just turned off by the name of the show. Same. 
And actually, the first time I started watching the show, I I bailed at some point in the first season mm-hmm. because the name wasn't wasn't super pleased about. Right. <laughs> and then you know some of the things that her character <clears throat> and some of the other main characters were doing, I just eh, it felt like they were being kind of you know kind of shitty. So I was gotcha. like, I don't want I don't want to watch terrible people. So what what, then, what brought you back in? <laughs> <laughs> then. I just said, let's check out, you know, thinking back to Parks and Rec season one, they Uh got that wrong and then really fixed it. (laughs) So season two, I started watching again and realized um, that, you know, the first part of season one is to set up the main character as far as, Mm -hmm. you know, what her deal is. Mm -hmm. And then over the seasons you really get to watch her. It's one of the best shows as far as character development. You know, every character, every character over the four seasons grows. All the shows also kind of take place in small towns, which was an interesting through line amongst all of them. Huh, I did not realize oh, that. Well, I did. So guess what your pile is going to take place <laughs> I mean, I grew up in a medium city. I live in a medium-sized city. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, didn't realize, yeah, it is all kind of just small town, regular people. Right. It's either um, They people. also have a lot of um, heart to them. The characters have a lot of heart. Yes, that's very true. And that, but in opposition to that, the character you listed that you should have played is Statler of Statler and Waldorf. <laughs> A character not necessarily known for heart. <laughs> kind of one of the only Muppets without it. So, I, Well, okay. So there are things that I like and there are things I can actually accomplish <laughs> with, with my limited performer history. So... So you um, want to watch things that don't reflect the curmudgeon inside. Is that... Look. (laughs) The shows have heart. The shows do all all three of them have really good character development. Schitt's Creek is strong in that. Crazy Ex-Girlfriend is strong in that. Um but it's just like, hey, this is something I could do with not a lot of work. This is something that I wouldn't, you know, really stress over you know, being Statler. Um, It's just something you feel is in your skill set. Totally in my skill set. And it would mean there would be a person with me that I could constantly play off of. I do like the duo. I like a good back and forth, as you've seen, as many people have seen from us over the years. (laughs) As we sit back and hold court after shows. <laughs> well, you don't talk to anybody before your shows, right. um, and I talk to everybody before shows because right. I'm making sure yeah. you know everybody's your front of house, loosened, yeah, loosened up, having a good time. Make sure they have a seat, buddy. Blah blah blah. And then by the end of the show, I'm just I'm not dancing for you people anymore. <laughs> I just. Want to- <laughs> I just wanna, just wanna go and sit down somewhere and right. watch. 
Um, and generally, you know, you don't like talking to people. Yeah. So it works out. So it works out well. It works yeah. out real well. So uh you want to get into this pilot that I wrote for you? It's uh it takes place in a small town and it involves a critic. So a critic that lives in a small town. Mm-hmm. Or moves Am to I the critic? You because are. I feel like <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, that's not surprising. Yeah. <laughs> We open on a big city comedy. Ah, fuck it. I fucked up already. (laughs) Uh, We open on a... We open on a big city bar. A big city bar with comedy. That's pretty zany, right? All right. Our hero slash hotshot comedy critic Candace, a.k.a. Dice, sits watching a young comedian bomb thanks to references that no one gets. Uh, all right. Well, maybe you guys aren't familiar with famed muckraker Ida Tarbell, but that impression was spot on. Jesus Christ. Candace scribbles some notes to herself as some drunken asshole in the back of the room decides people should give a shit about him, even though people he once considered friends have stopped inviting him to their regular game nights, because he's the sort of asshole who ruins even the lowest stakes environment. Hey, be funnier. Act out a baby shitting itself or, or talk about your penis. Um, sorry, Mom. (laughs) I'll try to be funnier. Hey, I'm not your mom. This guy's lying. I've never given birth. In fact, I have some very antiquated ideas about masculinity, which are threatened by the mere suggestion that I would give life to another human being. The comic appears to have no fucking clue how to handle this, so Candace reluctantly steps in. Hey, asshole. Shut up. Uh, I think I would prefer to keep talking, because I refuse to lose this interaction. Sit down. And stop doing that. Or what? You don't want to find out. Oh, yeah, right. You can't do anything to me. After all, I'm very loud. Mm. You're not the best at cause and effect, are you, buddy? Actually, my fascination with historically alternating bald and hairy Russian leaders has made me an expert on cause and effect. It's my second best skill, right after self-assessment. I bet you're the sort of person who never gets invited to game nights. Oh, well that is an extremely astute observation. But that's only because other people are jealous of how good I am at winning. You sure it's not because you get super drunk and ruin even the lowest stakes environment? Oh shit, yeah that does make sense. Oh no. Oh you made me realize something about myself. That, that's not a fun feeling. How dare you teach me about me? The drunken heckler charges at Candace, who sticks out her arm as the man runs directly into her fist, basically knocking himself out. Diced. Yeah, everyone in the room applauds. The bad comic decides to chime in. Well, uh, you must have really been enjoying my set. Meh. And with that noncommittal disdain, we bust into a theme song. You might be laughing like a hyena. Truth is, it's a shitty idea. Others might say you're great, but she's the one who will shoot you straight. She's the boss when she's around. Talk back and she'll break you down. Better hope she doesn't tell you twice. Won't just get chopped, you'll get diced. Yeah, all right. 
Candace returns home to her big city apartment after a long night of actually uh, of accurately critiquing failure and dispensing justice to find her tiny dog slash time and dimensionally traveling best bud and occasional shapeshifter, AJ, sitting on the couch. That's right. AJ's a talking dog in this one. He's wearing a, a little dog bandana and he's surrounded by his two favorite chew toys. A bag of Doritos, the perfect snack for the bold... Not actually intended for animal consumption, and a rubber mask of Peter Lorre. Bark Bark, welcome back! Your boss called while you were away, but I deleted the message because, as a dog, I assumed you were never coming back. But I'm glad you did, Bark. Eh, if it was something important, he would have called my cell. He probably just wants to talk to me about knocking another guy unconscious. Bark Bark, that's 15 this month. You should get a punch card. A literal punch card that gets punched when you punch people. That's 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 fun, right, Bark? It's not your worst idea, dog AJ. But also not your best. Bark Bark, that is a fair critique, Bark. You know, sometimes I wonder if it's this big city we live in. I bet comedy critics in small, quirky small towns don't have to deal with nearly as many assholes. Bark, bark, far fewer assholes and far more game nights, I bet. Yeah, that's that's the life of a quirky small town right there, bark. Yeah, too bad I'm so good at my job. Guess I'll never get a taste of that small town life. Suddenly, Candace's phone rings. Candace answers. Hello? The screen splits to reveal Candace's boss on the other side. He's a Jonah Jameson type in a big city office. Hello, Candace? Oh, this is your boss. I've been getting a lot of lawsuits due to the number of hecklers you've been knocking unconscious. Anyways, to rectify the situation, I would like to temporarily reassign you to one of our sister publications in the quirky small town of Hacksville. But I'm the best big city comedy critic you've got. Oh, uh, that's true. But apparently formal artistic analysis is dying in favor of people just complaining on the internet. And quite frankly, I'm tired of having so many lawsuits on my desk. They just look like paper. And I hate paper. I prefer to do everything online. Well, I have recently been thinking about trying out the small town lifestyle. Okay. I'm in. That's good, because quite frankly, I forgot you actually had a choice in the matter. I, I already told the Hacksville Gazette you were coming. You know, I guess I should re-examine the influence I expect to exert over those I w that work for me. That's all right. I never really actually respected you either. <laughs> I guess that's a fairly standard work dynamic. Well, so long. Give me a call if you stumble upon some type of delicious human interest beast or something. Candace and her boss both hang up the phone. Dog AJ turns his head sideways and stares at Candace as if to say, what was that all about? But then he remembers he can talk. Bark, what was that all about, Bark? Well, Dog AJ... Looks like I'm moving to a quirky small town after all. Bark! Well, good thing I'm your dog, because that means I'll be moving too and continue to be involved, Bark! I'll pack my Peter Lorre mask and game night supplies! Woo! Cut to interior, small town newspaper office. Two old farts, Crum and Mudgeon, are sitting around talking about their years in publishing. You know, Mudgeon, we've had some rocky years in publishing. I think things are finally looking better. That's oh, probably because you need a new prescription. <laughs> <laughs> I thought hindsight was supposed to be 2020. Oh, you're so old, you've forgotten how to simplify fractions. Hindsight is one. <laughs> <laughs> I guess this small town is all out of stories. Hey, unless something new and exciting happens in the next five seconds, we may as well just... Day. Neither laugh. Instead, they stare intently at a clock hanging on the office wall. 
We punch in on the clock as the second hand ticks. One, two, three, four. Just then, the door gets kicked open by our hero, Candace. Diced. Hold on to your wrinkly dicks. This paper just got a new star comedy critic. Mudgeon and Crumb look quizzically at each other. Hey, that's pretty exciting. Yeah, I guess. But not enough for me. Crumb falls over, deciding that although the plot as a whole has awesome potential, he was still largely just going to feel derivative of Sadler and Waldorf, and uh, it might be more interesting to shift up the dynamic ever so slightly. Huh, well, uh, that went the opposite way of what I was expecting. I'll call an ambulance. Uh, no, that, that, that'd be a whole thing. Let's just uh, let's, let's try to plow ahead. So uh, you're, you're the one the big city paper sent over, huh? I tried to tell them uh, we don't need a comedy critic, but, uh, but since you're here, uh, do you have any experience moving dead bodies? He motions to his newly deceased friend. Dead bodies, no. Unconscious bodies, yes. I can't imagine it being that much different. Uh, yeah, probably not. And uh, m- maybe he is just unconscious. Who- who's to say for sure? I mean, I'm not a doctor. Just, just help me carry him to the dumpster. Okay, but... If we get to any stairs, I'm probably just going to chuck it. This is customary. They each grab a side and lift Crumb, who is uh, probably dead, but possibly unconscious. The rest of this is, I'm not a doctor either, so who, who really the fuck knows? All right, they uh, talk as they carry him through the office. Listen, about the whole not needing a comedy critic thing, I get that this town might not have much of a comedy scene right now, but a little press can really help things grow. Actually, as far as small, quirky towns go, we've got a very respectable comedy scene. Oh, oh, great. They exit the office and reach some stairs where they look at each other and then check the body in the dumpster below. It's just that I don't think we need two comedy critics. I mean, we definitely didn't need two publishers. We're a small town paper in a dying industry after all. Wait, you already have a comedy critic? Uh, that they do, lady. Candace and Mudgeon turn to see local chain-smoking bad boy slash comedy critic Ron Steven, who's been hanging out on the stairway having a cigarette. That critic's name is Ron. Ron Steven, a.k.a. me. He extends his hand as if to shake, but before she even makes an effort in the slightest to reciprocate, he pulls it back and runs it through his hair, douchebag greaser style. Um, hey, I'm Candace. I do let some people call me Dice, Probably not you, though, because you seem like kind of a sleazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What an accurate assessment. Ron is kind of a sleazy. Uh, maybe you're a better critic than I initially thought. Whoa, uh, you're not seriously thinking about making me share my beat, are you, Mudgeon? Uh, I'm just saying, uh, my first assumption isn't always my best. A weak groan is heard from the dumpster below. Ron, was it? I'm sure we can work something out. I've been involved in comedy for a while. Uh Uh-huh, yeah, but have you ever been an MTV VJ, huh? No. Have you? Uh, no, but I was in the crowd during the initial contest election, but want to be a VJ too. Uh, that's two spelled T-O-O, as in also. That's actually what they named it. So, uh, yeah, I think I have a little more professional comedy experience than you do, lady. Look, I've been a comedy critic for the past decade, you little piece of shit, and I will not hesitate to throw you off these stairs. Okay, okay, okay. You both obviously have some impressive credentials. I guess the only way to settle this is a fight to the death. Da-da-da! They both give him a quizzical look. No? It's too extreme? 
Oh, okay. I, I, oh, wait, wait. How about instead you just uh, both write a review of a community event tonight, and then whichever I like more gets to keep the job, and uh, loser leaves town tomorrow or something. All right, that's good. Okay, we'll keep going. Okay, cut to interior Candace's new apartment. Dog AJ is digging in in one of the many moving boxes still unpacked. He pops up with a box of Uno cards in his mouth, which he flings to the ground. Bark, bark. Oh, yeah, we're, we're going to have a game night going this evening. Quirky small town life, here we come, bark. Dog AJ's tail wags back and forth gleefully, thinking about all the fun games they're going to play with their potential new quirky small town friends. But then the emptiness of the apartment slowly begins to diminish his excitement. His tail grinds to a stop. Uh, then again... What if Candace never comes back? Then we'll probably never have game night again, Bark. Dog AJ looks around his strange new surroundings once again. Oh, God. I'm in a strange place and I don't know anyone. That's a terrible scenario in which to host a game night, Bark. His eyes zero in on the door. Well, I'm going to find her. After all, the novelty of a talking dog is wasted when only delivering your inner monologue. I demand dialogue, damn it, Bark. Dog AJ looks around for something to open the door. He spots a perfectly normal fake ID covered in blood peeking out of one of the boxes labeled Dog AJ's stuff. He grabs it in his mouth and then whips it towards the door where it miraculously wedges itself into the crack and releases the latch mechanism. Awesome. That's how I say awesome. Because I'm a <laughs> dog. Bark. Dog AJ trots out the door, ready for adventure, when suddenly a shadow covers him and a call can be heard in the distance. He looks up just as a hawk descends upon him and captures him in its talons. Caw! Looks like someone went barking in the wrong tree. <laughs> Holy shit, a talking bird, Bark! That's not any weirder than a talking dog. Caw! Bark, Bark, okay, don't act like I'm not allowed to be surprised that you're talking just because I'm also talking. I mean, what would you do if a fish said hello to you? I'd freak the fuck out! What sort of bullshit would that be? Fish don't talk. Bark! I know, right? That's what I'm saying. We're both unusual, but it doesn't necessarily cause any less cognitive dissonance when our concepts of reality are broken. I gotcha. Instead of acting like you shouldn't be surprised that I'm talking, I should instead be freaking out that you're also talking. Cuh. Exactly, Bark! Alright! Holy shit! A talking dog! <laughs> In a panic, the hawk releases dog AJ and he goes spiraling to the ground. As he falls, he remembers a very important question. Would you like to come to a game night? Bark! And with those dramatic cliff cliffhangers of both dog AJ's life and the talking hawk's attendance at game night, we cut to commercial. Today's episode is being brought to you by Erin Hayes, because even though she didn't ask me to plug anything last time, I still meant to mention that you should check out her music around Greensboro or on tour with her dad Mitch. You can generally find performance dates at MitchHayesMusic.com. I forgot to mention it last time because I was only focused on the money. Money which I regrettably used to buy a coffee cup with my podcast logo on it. It was a impulse buy and... Honestly, kind of stupid, but you know, as one of those print companies had a Facebook ad and now I have to buy generic saltines instead of name brand for at least the next two months to make up for the decision. If you'd like to help me not eat soggy cardboard bullshit crackers, then consider giving me a five-star review on iTunes or send me a tip over Venmo at US of AJ. All right, uh, back to the show where I'm a dog because I should, God, I should not be allowed to make my own decisions. 
All right, we'll come back from that sick bird on inferior snacks to the interior newspaper office. Candace is Googling Hexville community events at her new desk when a seemingly helpful coworker pops up from the other side of the cubicle. Uh, hi there, uh, you're, you're the new uh, critic, uh, Candace, right? Uh, I'm Alice. Guess we're cube neighbors. <laughs> but don't worry, the COA isn't too strict around here. Oh, right. That's like a play on HOA, the Cubicle Owners Association. Yeah, yeah, because of the neighbor thing. That It's fun that you got that. Yeah, just trying to fit into this quirky small town life. Yeah, cool. Hey, I heard you're taking on Ron. I am rooting for you. I, I'd hate for you to have to leave town so soon after moving here. That's not really an enforceable part of the contest. If a workplace lets me go, they don't actually get any say over if I leave town or not. All right. Yeah, I, for I forgot about personal autonomy. <laughs> Anyways, it was nice meeting you, but I really need to find a community event to review for the stupid contest. Well, sometimes I like to joke that it's an event whenever I wear real pants instead of sweats. It's, it's my fun way of letting everyone know I'm tired all the time. Mm. As much as I'd like to hinge my employment on a review of your ability to wear pants, <laughs> I'm looking for something more comedy specific. Oh, well, it, there is a secret open mic at the next door beer bar and bottle shop. It, it's not advertised online yet because it's kind of new. So so Ron doesn't even know about it yet. That's perfect. Oh, good. Here, here's a flyer for the event that I just happened to keep at my desk. Oh, crap. This starts soon. I'd better head over there. Candace grabs her bag and rushes out of the office as Alice continues to watch her exit from behind the cubicle wall. Alice is then lifted into the air, revealing she has no lower half and was actually a very complex puppet this whole time, operated by Ron Steven. Eh, good luck writing a review on an event that isn't happening, Dice. <laughs> Whose puppeteering isn't at all related to being a VJ now? Ron! Cut two. Exterior. The motherfucking sky, y'all! <laughs> dog AJ is hurtling towards the tree line, his adorable dog bandana flapping in the air. He shakes his head just enough to get the knot of the bandana into his mouth, and it puffs up like a little parachute, just in time to slow his descent. A branch breaks his fall, he goes tumbling through the trees, and then lands on the ground. He's bruised, but otherwise okay. Gee... Ow. Uh, that's how I say ow, because I'm a dog, Bark. He looks around the forest and notices a sign that says, This way back to Hacksville, you dummy. Well, I guess my adventure is pretty straightforward from this point, Bark. Dog agent begins trotting along the path when suddenly he hears growling in the trees and a pack of hungry wolves surround him. The leader of the wolves, Devin, steps forward. Looks like this little doggy wandered off to the wrong side of small quirky town, Howell. Holy shit, a talking wolf, Bark. Of course I can talk. I'm a canine, like you. I mean, it's not like I'm a fish or a bird, Howell. Oh, okay, well, I, I, I met a talking bird, Bark. Shut the hell up, Howell. A stereotypical 80s nerd wolf speaks up from the back of the pack. Uh, actually, um, uh, talking birds aren't that unusual, Howell. That can't be true. Howl. Um, parrots? Howl? Oh, shit. Howl. I forgot about parrots. Howl. Oh, yeah, I did too. Oh, uh, I guess it, I guess it isn't actually that surprising that a bird can talk. I, I may have inadvertently shifted that hawk's worldview, Bark. Luckily, 
There's no chance of you doing that to me, little doggy. The bird thing threw me for a loop, but I'm still extremely confident in the reality where canines are the most likely creature to speak English. Howl. Uh, actually, howl. What is it now, stereotypical 80s nerd wolf? Howl. Uh, he's gonna bring up humans, Bark. Those pink two-legged things? Howl. Uh, yeah, howl. And, uh, the birds are, in fact, ahead of us, too, howl. So we're, we're like three, howl. Well, goddamn, howl. That's going to take me some time to sort out. The lead wolf sits and stares off into the forest, contemplating her diminished status in the universe despite always considering herself an alpha amongst a group of other alphas. Uh, yeah, uh, you know, no, take your time, Bark. But um, after your existential crisis, I'm, I'm trying to get a game night going this evening. I, I, I'm sure you can track me if you just follow the sign uh, back to town, Bark. What sign back to town? Bark, uh, the one right there that says, This way back to Hacksville, you dummy. Wolf glances over at the side. Holy shit, I can't even read. <laughs> oh, oh my god, neither can I. Uh, knowledge is my only identity as a stereotypical 80s nerd wolf. Howl, oh shit, oh shit. Okay, all the wolves begin freaking out over their loss of self as AJ slowly enters out of frame. Cut to interior, next door, beer bar and bottle shop. Candace arrives at the next door beer bar and bottle shop to see a really cool place to hang out. There's like 20 tabs and an impressive selection of bottles and cans. Holy moly. All right. Unfortunately, uh, it doesn't appear to be set up for an open mic night like she was told. But if they did do an evening of comedy here, it would it would probably be like hella fun. Uh, anyways, she's greeted by a bartender played by uh, Daniel Radcliffe. Yeah, fucking it's Daniel Radcliffe. Hello. Welcome to next door. Uh, not to be confused with... Dumbledore, who is a wizard. But I'm not a wizard. I'm a bartender. My name is Dan Dan the Bartending Man. Mm-mm-mm. There is no way I'm calling you that. <laughs> hey, you must be new in town. But don't worry, you'll come around to our quirky small town naming schemes. And it won't even be the result of me casting a spell on you. Because as I said, I'm not a wizard. A random patron calls out from the back. Hey, Dan, Dan, the bartending man. Can I get another Pilsner? Indeed. Akio Pilsner. Dan waves a wand and a fresh glass of beer appears in front of the man. The magic is great and all, but I was told there was going to be an open mic night here this evening. Oh, no, sorry. We haven't done any comedy here since uh, the local newspaper's comedy critic compared us unfavorably to MTV's wannabe a VJ3 competition. That's three with just the number. You know, they really didn't put much effort into that one. Damn it. I can't believe Ron Steven got the better of me. Ah, shocking, isn't it? <laughs> Candace turns to see Ron Steven walk inside from next door's absolutely delightful patio space. Don't gloat yet, asshole. I still have time to find a different community event and write about it. Oh, yeah, okay, sure. But, uh... Stad in this bar behind, you're gonna have to pull off a bigger upset than when Jesse Camp beat Dave Holmes. And unless you're personal friends with the hacker the likes of Ugly Pig, capable of falsifying over 3,000 votes, uh, I just don't see that happening. I don't know what any of that means. It was a reference to the controversial ending of the first wannabe a BJ contest. It, 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 BJ stuff's kind of my thing, all right? Point is, uh, only event happening in this small quirky town tonight was the annual chili cook-off slash comedy contest. And while you were on this wild goose chase, I already wrote about it. 
Ron holds up a computer. One would assume he wrote a review somewhere inside of it. He then sets it down uh, on a nearby table. Surely that can't be the only thing going on tonight, right, Dan? The bartender looks around quizzically, not sure who she might be talking to. <sighs> Is there anything else happening tonight? Dan Dan, the bartending man. Ah, I knew you'd come around. But uh, yeah, he's telling the truth. There's, there's, there's not a lot of options here. Well then, unless something happens in the next five seconds that could change that, I suppose I should just give up. Candace looks at the clock. Before the second hand even ticks once, uh, a bloody fake ID lodges itself in the door latch and the entrance swings open, revealing AJ with a wagon full of board games behind him. Why did that happen so fast instead of ticking the clock like it did before? Well, because one second is like seven seconds when you're a dog. Hey, Candace, uh, you look like you had a rough day. Because I'm a dog, Mark. Holy shit, that dog is talking. Call Hagrid, if you know him. I don't. I'm not, I'm not a wizard. I always forget other people aren't used to you doing that. Yeah, but it's really just as amazing that you people are talking. I mean, you know, in a way, everyone is kind of special. And yet, simultaneously ordinary at the same time. I think, I think that's the lesson I learned today, Bark. Well, duh. What are you doing here, anyways? Well, I, I was hoping uh, we could have a game night as kind of a fun, quirky, small-town community event. Ah, <laughs> uh, uh, stupid dog. Yeah, you can't have a community event with just you. <laughs> From outside, the sounds of howls and caws can be heard as hundreds of wolves and hawks flood through the doors. Most of them have to leave because of capacity restrictions and next door's commitment to safety. But it's still it's a very respectable attendance for a community event. Sorry, Ron. Looks like you just got diced. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. You still have to write a better review than I did. Uh, Bark, I don't think that'll be a problem, Bark. Ron looks over to see AJ sitting in front of his computer. You see, Ron, I actually learned a little bit about computers from a hacker with the handle Ugly Pig, a uh, famed ne'er-do-well of the original wannabe of BJ contest. And I just read your review, and all you wrote is that it lasted 90 minutes. That's it? Uh, yeah, well, I didn't think you were going to have an event to review, and I, I didn't want to do more work than I had to, but hey, hey, even if you do beat me, I've got a little surprise for you. I'm not leaving town either way. Yeah, I never expected that. I just assumed you had a life and friends here? Nope. I ain't got those, but I'm only staying out of spite. Dan Dan, the bartending man, please teleport me away dramatically. What? I can't do that because I'm I'm not really a wizard, you see, so... Just do it, Dan. Dan hangs his head and waves his wand at Ron, who disappears in a puff of smoke. Candace turns to AJ and the rest of the talking animals. So, what game do you guys want to play first? Bark, I don't know, Bark. How about... Charades. Talking animals not talking. That's what that would be. Let's go. We couldn't talk. We did that. Yeah, what an excellent joke to end on, etc. Boom! Credits roll on that wholesome good fun. We did it. Oh no, you were great! <laughs> You're uh I, I wish I had 
I, I hadn't thrown uh, crumb into a dumpster. That was one of my favorite voices. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think you gave him just the right amount of time. Okay, good. I, yeah, I don't think I could have held. But it, it, it was quality while it was there. <laughs> <laughs> I was really hoping you were also going the Statler and Waldorf uh, route yes. with that voice, and and you did, and you did. Well, you know, I wanted I wanted to give you something that I knew you would like. <laughs> since I rest, <laughs> wrote the rest of it so dog shit insane, but I like insane, and Good. you know, I just imagined you as my actual tiny dog. And wouldn't that be great? So, yeah, yeah. For yeah. some reason, I got hung up on the fact of like, well. If I'm going to have her character move, how would my character already be best buds? Oh, obviously I'd be her dog. No, loved it. Absolutely loved it. Oh, well, thank you so much for reading that with me. Any, any, well, any good notes? Luck, uh, well, good luck, uh, you know, making people listen to this. Well, uh, <laughs> I think it's going to be very, I mean, you're the first person, like, so... Of my guests, yes, the others have previously been performers, but you're the person who gets shows to sell out. Uh, so, like every Rojo show I've been to, you guys pack the house when that's yeah. allowed. Yeah. So I'm as I think your producing skills are really gonna help catapult this, and you know you might be forced to be a star. Yeah, sure, because that's something that everybody would be super comfortable with. <laughs> <laughs> There'd be no animosity from the 15 people in my group. Right. <laughs> that heifer gets on one podcast. Well, I mean, all comedians have such like a healthy self-image that we never get jealous of each other. So, No, I've never seen it in my you know 19 years or, or whatever. Um, I've never seen it. Right, which no. is why all sketch groups stay together forever and there's never any problems. <laughs> Um, yes, but our two groups, you know, sort of blended well and quickly and, um, you know, that's, it, it's great that we met you guys forever ago. Yes. Yeah. Do you guys have any, like, uh, are you working on anything for post pandemic? Yeah, we're taking some time. We actually had a show scheduled at the end of May that was going to be in a new venue. Oh. Um, yeah, they were looking to branch out, and we were going to be their first sort of dipping their toe into those waters, which, you know, is always the case with right. Robot Johnson. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Every venue I go into, it's their first <laughs> time working with sketch comedy. It just seems that way. Um, and then we were supposed to have a show uh, next weekend at the Evening Muse, that room that you've performed in. Yeah. It's a fantastic room. Um, but it's just waiting it out right, just at this point. Definitely you know, on hold for that. Yeah, like we had some things in the hopper that we were going to be working on, but everything is kind of on pause. Um, hence uh, my sketch Oki, because, you know, everybody still needs to stretch those legs. And just for anyone listening, uh, the idea of sketch Oki is like, since our groups are such friends <laughs> that we... <laughs> kind of trade sketches and you can we can recast uh, people from the other group and some of our old sketches and it's fun to see new voices uh look at some material that we've done before uh you 
you generally have people kind of like swap out roles uh, more than I, you know, definitely our group does. Like it seems like we, most roles aren't like somebody's most of the time. Yeah, there are a couple that are are definitely stuck with that person. Right. Um, but we do switch it up a good bit, and it's really interesting to see other other people. And everybody wants just obviously what's best for the group. Right. I mean, if you see our rehearsals you know, actual actors. I mean, we, and we do have actual actors in our group, but you know, our rehearsals don't run like other rehearsals. It's, you know, the best idea mm-hmm. gets the spot and who's going to do the best job gets the sketch. And, you know, if somebody brings something up and it's not good, the answer is just no. Right. <laughs> you, don't have to def- you don't have to defend it. It's like, Oh, this is my idea. I don't think that's going to work. Right. It's a very uh, it's a very fostering of new ideas, but then once it's decided it's not, it's quickly let go. Yeah, I mean, but it's it is it's a hive mind. I nice. mean, it 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 is. Um but yeah, we switch up a good bit. It's actually funny sometimes to see what other people are going to do. But there are parts that once somebody plays it, like, we just feel like that's there. Yeah. Uh, my my next guest after you is going to be Jenny Stencil, who you're not like super close with, but you definitely know uh, her, and she's another person who takes charge of situations. Is there anything uh, you would like to see happen in a pilot? Cool. Anything I would think of for anybody would be something that would be kind of a curveball, and I don't want to do that to her. Wow, you see, you're so nice. <laughs> Yeah, that's exactly what people are going to think of me after listening to this. <laughs> I'll make sure people know. Right. It's like you recorded me on an off night and just like you just wrote shit down that I said, like, you know, because people that don't know, like I I do have to stop many people from talking because for some reason, right. jackholes come into a sketch show and think, oh, this is the perfect time for me to try to get attention. But I know you're someone who would shut that down immediately. (sighs) Yeah. (laughs) All right, sir. (laughs) That wraps up the episode. Thank you so much for being on it.